beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. What great certainty Paul expresses, brothers and sisters, when he addresses his Colossian readers. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, since then you have been raised with Christ. He poses it as a fact, not an assumption or a condition or a question. No, this is the truth about them. He builds his address on the basis of what they have and who they are. They are congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ at Colossae. Holy and believing brothers and sisters in Christ, chapter 1, verse 2. Of course, if only they continue in their faith, chapter 1, verse 23. If only they continue to live in Christ, chapter 2, verse 6. That always is the call by the gospel to examine ourselves. And to repent when we observe in our lives that there is a rut, a coming in routine, a going through the motions, or a participation out of custom or superstition. In chapter 2, brothers and sisters, we also heard what we have in Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension. Victory. Newness of life. And the power to prevail over our flesh, over sin, over the devil and his whole dominion. I know that many will be surprised and admit that we always overestimate the power of the devil and undervalue the effects of Christ's victory. Too often we live below the standards of the new life we have. In Christ. Even though we know Christ died for our sins and removed the bond that was against us, also that He rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, since we heard this, we know that He lives and works from heaven for us and in us and with us. Yet, what do we do with this in our daily lives? That's the question we have to answer as we work with this word, as we repent from our sins. You see, beloved, for then after the Sunday, we go to work again. We've got our life here on earth, our job, our office, our company, our schoolwork, our household. That keeps us busy occupied and intensely pursuing our daily occupation. And that's good and fine and recommendable, of course. Yet, the question Paul poses is, how do we do it? What about a life to Christ we heard on Sunday? What about the unity with Christ? The life in Christ which he obtained for us and gave to us? That's the very important question Paul now lays before the Colossians and before us. When you leave the worship services on Sunday, seek Christ. Choose for Christ. 
and pursue the work Christ is doing in this world with you and through you wherever you have your place in this world. Don't forget that he is your savior who knows you and your work and who holds all things in his hand, including what you need for your work. There's nothing in your life that is separated from him or that may be isolated from him. Do we leave the worship services in that faith, in that conviction? That's the question, the challenge also this afternoon. Live your life with the exalted Christ. That is our theme, our focal point. Seek him with your heart. Seek him for his power. Seek him in his security. That's how I would like to summarize the message of our text. Live your life with the exalted Christ. Seek him with your heart. Our first point. It's wonderful to see, brothers and sisters, how the Apostle Paul built up his message for the Colossians and for us so far. Namely, concerning our life in unity with Christ. He has said it. He's mentioned it. Yet, how do we do it? How do we live it? We're living with Christ, in communion with Christ, and by faith in Christ. But how do we do it, here and now? How do we give it hands and feet tomorrow, this week, in our personal attitude and conduct, in our relationships at home and at work, in our goals and objectives in life, etc.? Since then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the connections with him in every aspect and area of your life here on earth. That was easier said than done by those Colossians, beloved. And I'm sure we can identify. Paul knew what difficulties and obstacles were in the way of these Colossian believers. They know they are living under the care of their exalted Lord, the living Savior, chapter 1, verse 21 to 23. As we also are reminded of it every Sunday again, yet how does that function in the midst of a heathen society, a secular world? That cannot function like an insurance policy that we pull out of our drawer, our safe, whenever we need it. You know, normally we live as best we can, we work the way we think we should, and we act according to our nature, with our character, and using the common sense and business intuition we have, enjoying life the way we like, pursuing interests that we find important, and then once in a while... We have our religious concerns, our spiritual moments, and our needs for forgiveness, for salvation, or what have you. Now, what we must see is this. Christ paid for our life, earned our life, purchased us with his blood, and gave us his grace for all of life in the forgiveness of sins, in the preaching, through his Holy Spirit, in the here and now. How do we use it, though? 
That's a central question in our text today, beloved. How do we use all the gifts of Christ? What are they worth to us? And how do they function in our life of every day? You know that this life is complex, varied, demanding, and busy for us and around us. Then how rich are we in Christ? How conscious are we of what Christ obtained for us? Or how sure are we of his involvement in our life, of his work in our hearts and minds? You know, maybe we return to work with such a vengeance and focus that he doesn't even enter the picture any longer. But he's only there to forgive the sins we commit in the way we run our life. Maybe we don't even know that he wants to be part of our life from Monday to Saturday too. Or perhaps we wonder whether he would want to be part of it, given the rat race it is, the ruthlessness it requires, and the standards that must be applied in this cutthroat society or economy. Does his blood, his grace, his promises enter the picture there? We may not even want him to be part of it or else we will lose out on the perks, the pleasures and the pursuits of our own desires and objectives. You see, beloved, then we must observe here too, nothing new under the sun. The Colossians already struggled with their position in Christ in a society driven by the basic principles of this world directed by the philosophies of the day and ruled by the spirits of darkness. Indeed, this power of darkness wanted to distract them, estrange them from Christ. Hence Paul's exhortation, let no one deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Chapter 2, verse 4. Let no one take you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. 2 verse 8. And let no one who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Chapter 2 verse 18. The Bible is giving you a totally different standard of living, a much higher objective in life, and a much greater way of salvation. Christ bought you by his blood. Christ renews you by his spirit. And Christ gives you a life that is glorious and free in the midst of this world, in the service of the Father and through the power of the Spirit. Therefore, seek the things that are above. Set your hearts on things above. In the midst of the pressures of your life in this world, of the chaos of the many powers that beset you, choose for Christ. Let your life be determined by Christ. So live your life with the exalted Christ, beloved. That's Paul's answer to the struggles and battles in this world. And seek him with your whole heart, soul, and mind. Seek him, search for him, strive to serve him 
for his interest, his kingdom, and his honor and glory. That's what the word denotes Paul uses here for seek. Literally, seek the things of above. Or as the NIV has it, set your hearts on things above. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to find something we lost and must seek to find it, but that we live for Christ enthusiastically. You see, seeking him and having your life determined by him, having died to the basic principles of the world, doesn't mean that you become passive or world-avoiding, not at all. You did not only die with him, but you were also raised with him, which means that you seek the things that are above. What that means? You have to seek it in a monastery, a retreat, as some mistakenly interpret Paul's words? No, not at all. With the things that are on earth, Paul doesn't mean life on earth as such but the life that is controlled by worldly pursuits, powers, and pleasures. With the things that are above, Paul doesn't mean that we have to walk with our heads in the clouds, wealth-friend, and thinking of heaven all the time. No, Paul means that we have to be busy with the things of every day, yet controlled by Christ. Now let me illustrate this for you, beloved, so as to help you fill it in for yourself as well. When you are in business and you are motivated only by the thought, how can I make as much money as possible from my customers and add to my possessions, you are seeking the things that are on earth. When you ask yourself, however, What does Christ expect of me with regard to the way I treat my employees, my customers? And what does he want me to do with my profit in his church and kingdom? You seek the things that are above. Another example for our children and young people. When you are doing your schoolwork for personal pride and glory... Because you want to be number one and get a top job later on in life, you are seeking the things that are on earth. When you, however, do your utmost at school and make the most of your gifts and talents because you know and realize that Christ expects that from you, is pleased by it, you are seeking the things that are above Now, in the verses 5 and following, beloved, we could look at some more examples Paul adduces, but this should suffice, however, to see that Paul doesn't pursue world avoidance, but rather living and working in the midst of this world in a totally different attitude than the world does. Seeking the things that are on earth ultimately is seeking yourself. No matter how you put it or how piously you like to present it. While seeking the things that are above shows in your manner, your attitude, your priorities. Which are ultimately for Christ, 
for he is your life. And that shows, that shows, boys and girls, in the language you use, in the entertainment you choose, you select, in the fashion you wear, how important is Christ and his word and his will for your choices? Understand me well, I'm not saying that you can't have free time or entertainment, not at all. Neither am I saying that we can do business and make profit, enjoy blessings and prosperity when the Father grants it in his goodness. But how do we use it? With our hearts up to God the Father in Christ or with our hearts in the things of this world? And then we all realize, beloved, that this apostolic exhortation isn't an easy one. It brings struggles with it against our flesh, against sin in our hearts and in this world. Remember, we have died in Christ to sin and the world so that we hate them because Christ has become number one in our life and we live for his honor and glory. Then we have to learn to enjoy differently, rejoice in different pleasures, and prefer different pastimes. And that too is included in the exhortation to think, to seek the things that are above. The question is, where is your heart? For there your treasure will also be. And that requires choices all the time. Self-examination in all humbleness yet with a hearty and enthusiastic determination and conviction. Just ask yourselves about the choices you have made recently and the way you have acted at home or at work or in the church lately. Yes, then you will have to admit, beloved, that all this is easier said than done. Hence, it's very important and also, secondly, to seek him for his power. Our second point. The congregation at Colossa, brothers and sisters, was in a precarious situation and society, which made it difficult for them to choose for Christ. You know, the wisdom of the world was so simple, logical, and made sense so much. Yes, your own common sense and business sense, too, comes so natural. You would almost be inclined to think, why make life so difficult, life in Christ? My way is the right way, and if you don't buy it, you can chuck it. Everyone else in the world thinks I'm great. And there also is the Judaist approach. The approach of making rules and regulations. You meet them today as well, who organize the life of Christians according to Old Testament ways and wills, setting out rules for this and that and the other thing, piously suggesting that if you follow these steps, which the Old Testament dictates, your life as New Testament Christians goes straight from good to better to best, from earth to heaven, from suffering to glory. Think, for instance, of the health and wealth gospel of Rick Warren and Joyce Meyer. 
They present it so piously, claiming that you have got to do something for it when you want to be saved. Well, that in a nutshell, beloved, was the setting for this congregation. And we can see how much of it we see and hear today as well. That it almost seems too simple to say with Paul, seek the things that are above. Seek Christ and live your life with your exalted king. That's all. Well, no, not quite. Rather, live by grace. Live by faith. And know that since you have died with Christ to sin, you may also live with him through the power of his resurrection. That's how we may speak, also encouraging each other. Christ has died for you, has paid for you, so that you may share in his life too. Christ rose and he ascended into heaven and he is there for his church, for the congregation at Colossae, for the people at Elora, for you and me. He is seated at the right hand of God, Paul says, and from there he governs the nations, the powers, the authorities, For the church, he adds in Ephesians 1 verse 22, as the highest king, he has been gathering, defending, and preserving his church, and he truly is concerned with his people, is there for his people with his spirit and words, then we have to believe that this power will help us deal with our life then you may be wrestling with questions, beloved. And you may have to give direction to your children how to live, how to live their life in the midst of this world. Yet, then this is the cue. Know who you are in Christ. Know your place with Christ. And know what he obtained for you in your life with him. He will give you wisdom to speak with your children about the danger and temptation of world conformity and show them that since we know Christ and share in him and all his benefits, a life in him is different. When your child seeks to pursue a romantic relationship, you will have to show him or her That it is not enough just to both be Christians, but that in Christ we have the church too, the doctrine as well, and the lifestyle in which we must be one, that's being one in Christ. Then it's also important, beloved, that we show our children, explain to our young people how rich we are in Christ. How meaningful are the promises signified and sealed by baptism. You have died with Christ and may rise with him to a new life. Believe in that power. Look at your exalted Christ in this life, in this world, and in your wrestling with the struggles of this time. Don't park the Christ on Sunday night. Don't ignore his power. Don't neglect his real presence. 
And don't forget to show your thankfulness. He has died to wash away our sins. And now we may move on into the future with Christ. Are you thankful for that? Do you desire that? Then we have to fight against our sins. And let the Spirit work in our hearts to have the new life in Christ determine our ways. Our new ways by His power. New ways sharing in His victory. New ways because we are more than conquerors through Him our Savior. He is our only comfort in life and death. Which is our third point. Seek him in his security. In ourselves brothers and sisters. We don't have life. The life we have in ourselves. Because of the nature we got at birth. And the character we inherited from our forebears. And the personalities that we are through sin. That is no life. Our life is so brittle. So fragile. And spoiled so easily. But even when Christ is our life, there is hope. There is a future. Even eternally. This life in Christ might be difficult too. Challenging and what have you. Yet in Christ already, this life will be meaningful. Joyful and promising. Because we don't make sin and sinful attitudes and patterns the practice of our life any longer. Or the circle and circumstances in which we want to live and move. Living in Christ, beloved. We live for him. And have our eyes on our life with him eternally. That's how you have to move on in the midst of this world, Paul says. For that life has a future. Which might be unknown, yet which is sure, hidden though it is in Christ. With him in God's presence, that life is safe. Safer than the bank, for it is with Christ. It's hidden with Christ in God, verse 3. Hence it is untouchable and cannot be reached by thieves or enemies or terrorists. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. As Paul puts it in Romans 8. Christ won the battle with sin and Satan beloved. And in him the risen Lord our life is secure in God. Hence. Seek your life with the exalted Christ. Seek him in your life with all your heart, soul, and mind, and in all your pursuits. Seek his power for your struggles, and be assured of the security of your life in him as well. Then also, when he appears, Paul adds, verse 4, when he appears from the hidden realm of God's, He will take us along too. Our life continues in Christ, with Christ, and through Christ. His life will come to the fore in its fullest glory, immortal and imperishable. And that life can no longer hurt us or harm us. It will be cured of sickness 
anxiety, pain, sorrow, loneliness, fear, yes, even of death. It won't break down ever anymore. Never ever in all eternity because it's hidden safely with Christ in God. We'll see that on the day Christ appears on the clouds of heaven. But that's not a life, my brother and sister, that can be obtained by do-it-yourself Christians. By those who think they are good in their own eyes or who try to obtain it by their own piety and pretenses. It's a gift, a gift of grace, a gift for everyone who accepts Christ and seeks his life in him. Therefore, seek your life in this world in him. Live your life in this world through him and for him and find your security in this life in him. For he keeps us in his power secure. We will never be forsaken. Amen.